Okay, welcome everyone. Welcome back. Um, today I am joined by an, a very, very, very dear friend, Angela. I don't know how long I've known you. I'm gonna say since 2009, yeah, something like that. Quite a quite a long time. Yeah. So I'm thrilled for a few reasons. I'm thrilled because I love you, but also you just published a book, which is what I we're did. hearing, and we're gonna be talking about that book. I finished reading it um, on my way to China and on the airplane, and I thought it was fantastic. I thought it's easy to read, and yet there's so much substance. So the book is called uh, Discover the Matrix, okay? And so before I go on, let me just give you a little bit of background on who Angela is for those of you who don't know her. Um she is a storyteller, a speaker, and a coach, and she has dedicated her life to helping others discover their true selves. And just so you guys know, I know her because she's a program coach on the Newfield program. Um, and what Angela says here uh, from her book, she says, the real work begins when she dares, when Angela dares her clients to step into the space between where they learn the power of experiencing experiences as they occur. She's also an MCC, um, advanced certified team coach and accredited coaching coaching supervisor. All right, so I'll stop there. So Angela, welcome, welcome to the podcast. And I want to just start by asking you, where did this title come from for this book? <clears throat> you know, it came from the concept of the space between uh, and my very favorite movie in the world, discover the matrix. And so I know for a lot of people when they've watched the movie or they're very familiar with all episodes of the movie, some people hold it as a very dark movie. That is a concept about going into a place that they don't understand. And it's confusing. And there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, different types of action things that happen inside of that, of the plot. When I watched the movie for the very first time, way back in 2019, the thing that showed up for me was, isn't this interesting? This, he's offered the red or the blue pill. Do I stay put? Do I go back to this ethereal place that I think that I know? Or do I dare to take the red pill and discover the part of myself? that I don't even know. And so it really represented for me, my own deep, rich experience as a coach and being coached and offering coaching about how we have to discover ourselves by being willing to step into that place of the unknown in order to really get to the heart. Now, if those that are listening to the podcast also know that the, make, the, the person who wrote the play says that it's really a love story. And when you take that concept, we find self-love when we walk into that space between or we go on our own journeys to discover the matrix. I'm I'm brought back to the beginning of your book where you talk about um, how you even, uh, well, your journey in, in getting started on the book mm -hmm. and completing the book and how um, your work was really about supporting other people to write their chapters. So talk to us a little bit about that. Just And, and the reason I, I, I'm asking that question is I just feel like it's it, it certainly resonated for me. 
I'd love for other people to hear so that they can dig deeper into what their purpose is and what their journey is. So I think what you're referring to is the during the pandemic. Is that where you're? you're well, you wrote to? that it took you 20 years to write your book. Ah, yes. And how you realize that, you know, you're sitting here supporting other people to to get their victories, right? Mm-hmm. And and now it's time for you to get your. What's your statement? What's your message? I'd love you to yeah. elaborate a bit more on that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I do say that, right? That it took that this book has been in the works for 20 years. And it was was during the pandemic when I was in a very dark place. I moved from a place that I'd lived for 22 years, didn't really have a love affair with this idea of moving back to a place I had once lived, but there were opportunities for my husband there. And the pandemic shows up and I'm no longer able to transverse back and forth to the place um, that I had spent most of my adulthood and where all my clients were, where I spent time in a face-to-face situation. It was in the swirl of having to find myself in a sort of a lonely sort of situation that I began to listen to my own voice that I had actually lost. And what I mean by that is I had become the voice for so many people in my corporate life. I had become the speechwriter. I had become the individual who could articulate in a particular way that would lead others to be able to deliver tough messages to maybe employees or or teams of people in celebratory situations. And during that time of being in the corporate space, I became their voice and I lost my own. But the pandemic opened up this spot in me to be able to begin to listen to my own. I had a dear friend say to me, Angela, just write. You know what to write. Just write. And writing became my outlet on a Saturday and a Sunday. And I just, Teeny, I just listened to what was being offered to me. I can't say it came from the inside out. I can't say that each chapter was designed in a particular way as if I had a framework for it, I legit sat and just listened to what the universe or the world had to remind me of my life and my journey and what was important. And so Mm -hmm. I really say that it it arose out of a 20-year process. It found me. I didn't find it. Pretty much like coaching found me. I didn't find it. It's so beautiful. And I just want to just speak to the to the listeners, which is what a powerful thought, which is what is my voice, right? Mm-hmm. What is my voice saying to me? And how much um, weight do I give it? Right? In whatever domain for the for for everyone to just pause and consider. Now, as we spoke before we got on the formal part of this conversation was I was I was saying to Angela, having read her book, Having read your book, there are so many themes that popped up. And as listeners, you know, our our podcast is really short, sharp, sweet, and punchy. And honestly, the amount of content in this book, we could take it to a you know two hour, three hour conversation or more. So we've distilled it, um, and so we're going to start with one of the uh, uh, themes that popped out. 
certainly for me. And this theme is a statement that, um, Angela, you made, which is the space in between, right? Mind the gap. I absolutely love where it came from. So maybe you'd like to share that. Um, because for anyone who's been to the UK, we'll have this experience yeah. and how it resonated with you, right? And the link to leadership, which is what this book is about. Um, and for me, certainly I'm so attracted to leadership, but also just being human, right? Mm-hmm. So talk to us a little bit more about the mind the gap. Yeah. So I had a dear friend, Tini, who called me up one day and said, hey, I'm over in London and I've got this free weekend. Won't you join me? And I, of course, said, yeah, let's go. So within two days, I am showing up in London. And she graciously gives me the directions to get to her hotel. I get I get from Heathrow to the train station. And all I see written on the ground is mind the gap. I'm like, what in the world is mind the gap? And so the train comes and I see the space between the train and the platform that I'm on. And I'm like, well, this is crazy. Why do they have to remind people to mind the gap? So fast forward, I don't think much about it because, of course, she says, go to the hotel, take a rest, put in your earplugs, go to sleep, and I'll show up a little bit and a little later. Fast forward, I sat with her over dinner and learned all about why they put the mind, the gap there. And it was to remind people that they could fall in between the space, between the train and the platform. And if they didn't put it there and they didn't announce mind the gap when you got off, people in the early days would actually slip through that crack. So a very fascinating piece. And how often is it that we too, as leaders, as human beings, it would be helpful to have a call out, mind the gap, right? See the space between. Yeah. Right? Because we step over it and step in it, and we don't even know we've stepped over it or in it or around or it through or, it. We're the ones through who it through the gap. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the train just keeps going, and you're stuck in the gap, and you're like, "What just happened to me here?" Right? Like, how do I get out of this gap? And you don't even know you're in the gap, right? Or you don't know you're in the space between. So, yeah, it was. And I came back from that experience and I would sit with my clients who were executives inside of the company I worked for. And I would ask them, how are you minding the gap today? Mm. And at first they were like, what? It's like, yeah, how are you minding your gap? You know, the space between what it is you believe, you know, and what it is, you know, that you don't know, how are you minding that space? And it, actually opened up so many robust conversations that showed up like, well, the space between what I know and what I think I don't know, there's a lot of fear that's packed in here because what if somebody finds out that I don't know? Or I would hear things like shame. I feel shameful for this or that, or I don't want people to know I actually feel a lot of pride. And being able to say that I moved my geography from number 11 to number one. And somehow the gap is telling me that I should feel embarrassed by that because not everyone else has been able to move their performance from here to there. That's so there was a lot that got 
spoken to by a small little phrase and an emphasis on that space. What, what do you think surprised you the most? Just sticking with this simple, simple statement, mind the gap. What surprised you the most when you started to um, apply it or speak it in your conversations? Mm -hmm. The amount of reflection and silence and stillness that arose. Mm. Mm. So where they would often fill the space with chatter, with examples, with stories, with excuses, with reasons, with whatever. It immediately caused them to pause, sit, and reflect before they actually spoke what was really true for them. And it was the first time, although integrity is one of my most cherished values that I have, it was really the first time that I was able to support another executive, another leader, another human being, and getting really clear with themselves about what their integrity was, their intangible part of who they were. They didn't seem to any longer have a need to do a cover-up. Okay, my my mind is going in so many different branches off of what you just said. So um, the immediate thought that I have is the the mind the gap piece was interesting because when I left the book, I was thinking mind the gap, mind the, you know, what are some of the areas you need to be careful about and pay some attention to it. But as I'm listening to you speak right now, gap, gap and minding it is also space. Yes. Right? And how do you use that space? And that is really, really powerful because as I'm beginning to learn, I don't entertain much space (laughs) in my diary, for example. And I'm going, okay, I think it's time to pay attention to that. And it's really a powerful expansion of that statement, mind the gap for me. Wow. I love that. Yeah. And the executive reflections that I place at the end of each chapter is intended, right? To mind the gap or to dip into the space Mm. between, to have that moment of pause, of stillness, to just notice in a provocative sort of way, in a provocative way, not even sort of way, but a provocative way, what it is that we often won't entertain. Right. We don't give space to entertain it. And the book allows you this opportunity to do what you just did. Huh. I wonder where I might need to mind the gap differently. Exactly. Or where I might need to step into this space. As coaches and in the work as coaches and as leaders, we're always minding the space between. We refer to it as the field, right? So the field or the space between you and I, Tini, even in this conversation, if we are attentive, we can actually seek the conversation happening here in the relationship as it forms. We can notice what is right about the relationship, what is not right about the relationship. So teaching leaders or having leaders understand who non-coaches that they can attend to the person they're speaking to, and more importantly, attend to the space between the two people, gives them a lot of insight, contextual 
um, information that otherwise would get lost in that space. Mm. So many layers. What, what I'm loving about this is gap. There's so many layers to what it means. Um, space, so many layers. I'm hearing what uh, the space in between, what mm-hmm. that means. I, I heard context. You know, where is this person coming? What's in between the sentences or the con or the Mm -hmm. content that they're revealing right now? Okay. The other, the other branch that is standing out for me is this word integrity. And that's the sub, the subtitle of your book, which is integrity, the true mark of leadership. So talk to us a little bit more about that, which is integrity. Why that particular attribute? So what we've seen and studies have also shown that integrity, when I am willing to reveal who I am and I'm willing to be honest and not just have a persona on the outside, but I reveal who I am to the outer world and hold it as whole, then I have a bigger impact on the people that I engage with. So this essence of integrity is more than um, authenticity. It is getting very real with oneself about what one's biases are and how we play with those biases. What are we really aware of in relationship to them? It gives us an opportunity to not ignore the part of us that gets triggered at times because of an incident that occurs or another individual shows up in our lives that somehow doesn't sit right, right? So it gives us an opportunity to wonder about our own linguistics, our own language. So an example might be expectations. We all have them. It's kind of like assessments. We're assessment machines. We're expectation machines. We have expectations for everything. If I don't voice my expectation, it becomes a hidden expectation. And expectations that are hidden often occur because of patterns that happen in our lives that we don't even know that are happening. They live in that invisible, intangible place that I'm referring to as the space between. When the pattern arises and somebody doesn't fulfill that expectation that I don't even know I have, then I can become angry, disappointed, dissatisfied, disenfranchised, a lot of those characteristics. I may choose to hold it in. I might choose to have an outburst about it. So it allows us, the integrity part encourages us to call ourselves to platform and look into that gap and say, so I notice I have an expectation. Is it an expectation I voiced or did it arise out of a an invisible pattern that I hadn't even noticed before. Mm. So I've had this experience and I will never forget the first time that it happened. I was ending my first marriage and I said to myself, no more, no more expectations. I am not having expectations as if Tini, I thought I could just turn it off. (laughs) I I think I could just turn this thing off called expectations. I then uh, meet my now husband, Sean, and I'll, the beginning of the relationship. I'm like, oh, I don't have any expectations. I don't, I don't care if I get married. I'm, no expectations whatsoever. 
And sure enough, out of the blue, about nine months in, every time he traveled, he would call me at 8 p.m. by clockwork. I didn't ask him to do that. He just did it. One night, he didn't call. What do you think happened to me? What happened? Where did what you happened? Go? Right? Like, who's he with? What's going on? What's right? All these crazy conversations show up. Finally, at midnight, after me calling him a million and one times, right? The fear, right? Shows up. The girl who has no expectations. Let's remember that part. Only to not have a pleasant conversation, hang up the phone and legit five minutes later, I was like, God damn it. That thing called expectation has shown back up, but it showed back up as a pattern. The invisible became very visible, but I had to be willing to take a step back and look at how I reacted in that situation versus responding in that situation. Because my emotional embodiment, my fear got in front of me instead of me getting in front of my fear. So I tell that story, not in the book necessarily, but I do share that with a lot of executives because they will find themselves triggered in similar situations with employees. And when they can get in front of their fear and understand that a pattern that's unfamiliar to them may actually be causing that expectation to show up. It helps them to unpack their own feelings and emotions, how they want to approach it so they can respond and course correct and then reset the expectation correctly. You know, what's um, occurring for me is, is, is as we start to complete our conversation together is, is coming back to the title of the book and the movie, which is the matrix, discover the matrix. Um, once you're, this is my, this is my take on it. Once you're in the matrix, the learning, the discovery, the, what are my patterns? What's behind those patterns? What are the narratives that drives me? What am I blind to that I can't see until someone else points it out or an event occurs and I go, oh my gosh, that's been happening for the last X number of years. Once you're in the matrix, it's an ongoing journey, isn't it? It is. And the other thing that I've noticed since the release of the book, you know, you read it a million times before it gets completed, right? The editors do their thing and you reread it. But when I first got the book, I went back and I have continued to do my own work. And the one thing I've noticed is that I sometimes, well, we do come out of the matrix, right? We get back into this world that we live in, yet we always have an opportunity to select the red pill over the blue pill. So there are moments I've noticed where I'm like, ah, I get to go back into the matrix or a different part of the matrix than I've experienced before. To your point, it is a lifelong journey. It's not one choice and then it's over. We have to always choose the red pill. We always have to choose to take a step back, whether we're in a positive place in our life or or a less comfortable place in our life, right? Because I think all of our life is positive or um, shares with us the learning and the depth that we need to have. So it's all about the choice. 
for sure. And as life unfolds, things happen a and new as matrix. you say and a new matrix or back in the same matrix but a different a different expanded person maybe mm-hmm. who goes yes. in right how fascinating is that and just to make the links for me is is great so as we start to complete our conversation what is what what is something that you want the listeners to know mm-hmm. about your book about the point of the book that they can take away with them yeah the primary point is really, there's two. The the first one is who you are is how you lead. So if you are a human who is developing and committed to living a life of integrity, to leading from a place of integrity, then you will become that person if that is your commitment and you're willing to do the work that lives in the matrix and the space between. If you're not, then you will lead from a different place and people around you will have a different experience and you too will have a different experience of the world that's around you. So who you are is how you lead and it's the life that you lead. The second piece is this book was originally intended to be a much more robust robust book. It now will be a two-part book. Um, The publisher said people can only digest 150 pages, Angela. So this is part one. The second part is focused on teams, culture, and brand. And so there is this red thread that runs through both of these volumes, and it is about integrity, because if leaders lead from a place of integrity, they have an opportunity to create teams with integrity, a culture, an organizational culture with integrity. Now we have an opportunity to say, does my external brand promise that I put out into the world that I promise customers and clients that they're going to experience about my company, can I look inside and is my employees and teammates having the same experience? Today, I don't see that happening. So I'm on this big wild mission to create a red line, a red thread that runs from leader all the way to brand to where an organization of 10 people, of 30,000 people, of a hundreds of thousands of people can look at their brand and say, the promise we make to our customers is exactly the same experience that we also are committed to making sure that our teammates have. And that in my mind can only happen if leaders start with their own integrity first, then really work with their organizations to deliver against that. So how can the reader purchase the book? Where can they find it? Yes. It's available worldwide. It most readily is available on Amazon. It is also available at Barnes & Noble and other types of retailers, as well as Austin McCauley, who is the publisher of the book. Congratulations, Angela. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. 